Let's open to Hebrews chapter 13. I just want to read a section of Scripture here that is uh, actually kind of a benediction to this letter, uh, but I'm using it as an opening to my message. Uh, Hebrews 13, verse 20. Now the God of peace, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So he ends off with a prayer here that uh, God's people would be equipped in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. And that's what we want today as we look into God's word, that God would work in us those things that are pleasing in his sight and equip us to do his will. The title of my message is... Some thoughts for new Christians. Some thoughts for new Christians. Now, actually, a large part of this message could also be titled, Mistakes I've Made. <clears throat> so, uh, some of those will come out as we proceed here. Though I was thinking of new Christians as I was preparing this message, these things will, I think, apply to all of us. Um, I think many of us need to be reminded in these areas, no matter how long we've been Christians, how long we've been believers, how long we've walked with the Lord, a number of these things need to uh, come before us as reminders over and over again. So, Paul told his young understudy, Timothy, that the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. And God tells us in Micah 6.8, he tells us what's good and what he requires of us, which is to do justice, to love mercy, and walk humbly with him. What this means for a young Christian and for all of us, as I said, uh, is explained to us throughout the scriptures. The scriptures are given to us for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that we can be adequate, equipped for every good work. So these are some things that I've gleaned from the scriptures that I think are, are particularly appropriate for new converts and uh, something that I hope will be a reminder to us all. First of all, I would say this. We must constantly keep before our hearts and minds the Scripture's emphasis on God's great love for us in Christ. God's great love for us in Christ. Our love for God and our love for others is a result of God's love for us. His love brings forth our love, not the other way around. The church loves Christ and submits to him because Christ first loved the church and gave himself for her. 
the emphasis of the Bible is not, first of all, on what the church does for Christ, but on what Christ has done and is doing for the church. This is important. To, we just got to keep coming back to this. Obedience in the Christian life is love's response to love. That's why the hymn writer said, uh, Come, Holy Spirit, heavenly dove, with all thy quickening power, come shed abroad the Savior's love, and that shall kindle ours. That's where, that's where obedience comes from. That's where keeping the commandments comes from. That's where the Christian life comes from. So we're talking about keeping our priorities straight, keeping first things first. We love because he first loved us. Christ is the center and circumference of the Christian life. That means he's all in all. He's the Alpha and Omega. So keep your focus on Christ, his cross, his resurrection, his kingdom, his glory, and his great love for you as one of his people. When I first became a Christian, I went to tell one of the people who had talked to me about Christ throughout my college years, and he had moved away to another town, and uh, I, wouldn't have, I knew I wouldn't have long with him. We didn't have very long together, but I remember him saying to me as we parted, I was about to go into the army, actually, this is what he told me. He said, you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. You see what he was doing there? That's really good, at, good counsel for a new believer. The preeminent motivation for living for God is that Christ died for you. You have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. There will be times in your Christian life, I'm talking to a young believer here now, but for all of us, there will be times when the love of God will be hard to discern in the events of your life. Sorrow and sadness and sickness and the opposition of sinners will seem sometimes almost overwhelming. Circumstances will not seem to fit the idea that a loving God cares for you. In those times, you must fall back on this great, one great fundamental reality. I know God cares. He sent his son to die for me. Even though you can't make sense out of this present situation, you can be convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. When Paul was talking in that section there in Romans about famine and nakedness and peril and sword, he was talking about realities right then, things that those people were going through. But he said... In the midst of all that, we know this. God cares. We know that. Those things cannot separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, 
our Lord. Which brings me to the next thing I think is important for a new Christian to realize. We have a great enemy. There's much more going on in our lives than just what meets the eye. We have to learn a new way of thinking about reality. There's a whole realm of spiritual reality that we've now entered into. A new Christian, as a new Christian, you have a, a part in a great cosmic battle between good and evil. The outcome is certain because of what Christ has done, but our present position is one of warfare and struggle. I mean, it's good to realize that from day one of the Christian life. You've just entered into a big cosmic battle. It's not a struggle against flesh and blood. We often see this. We've got to change our thinking here. Oh, there's problems at home. There's problems at school. There's problems at work. There's problems in the nation. Yeah, that's true. But you know what? It's not a struggle with flesh and blood against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. You're going to have to deal with those as, an, as a Christian. So we must be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. You're not going to fight this by yourself. You can't. It's his might. Be strong in the Lord and his might and put on the full armor of God, which has to do with truth and righteousness and the gospel of peace. Again, I would say this. There's much more going on in our lives than what we're usually aware of. We just look at the surface. We just look at what meets the eye, and there's much more going on. We have an adversary and an accuser but more importantly, don't forget, in Christ, we have an advocate and a defender. Greater is he that is in you, that is Christ, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, Satan. There's one who accuses us before God, but there's another who intercedes with us, intercedes for us with God. There's one who comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but there's another who came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. There's one who's a liar and a deceiver, but there's another who's faithful and true. There's one who promises freedom but brings slavery, but there's another who takes slaves and makes them free. There's one who exalted himself and tempted humanity into ruin. There's another who humbled himself and brought redemption to humanity. There's one who is hateful and evil, there's another who is kind and loving. So don't forget, there's much more going on in and through your life than what appears on the surface. There's a spiritual battle going on that you can be victorious in through faith in Christ. Paul says this at the end of the book of Romans, and this I think this is quite an amazing statement. The God of peace shall soon crush Satan under your feet. Think of that. Soon, crush Satan under your feet. It's because Christ has already won the victory. But the struggle goes on in terms of our lives right here in this present world. So he says, the God of peace 
the God of peace, in the midst of this struggle, the God of peace shall soon crush Satan under your feet. Next, I would say to the new Christian, don't get so caught up in religious activity that you forget the whole purpose for the things that you're doing, like reading the Bible and going to meetings and praying and outreach and serving others. The whole purpose is that you might grow in your love for God and others and become more Christ-like. It's easy to get caught up in the activity and forget what the real goal is. Religious activity can be a merry-go-round where we really don't make any progress in the things that really matter unless we keep our eye on the end game, the purpose, the goal. For example, if you're not careful, we can get, if we're not careful, we can get wrapped up in going to meetings and our supposed ministry and gifts while at the same time failing to do what Christ called us to do, to love each other the way he loved us. John says this, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. This can happen in our outreach also. As one writer put it, don't trample all over the great commandment, love of God and your neighbor, trying to obey the great commission, making disciples. This sometimes happens with new and zealous young Christians who try to convince family and friends of the importance of becoming Christians. We need to remember that part of our message is our manner. Part of our message is our manner, and people will remember how we came across as much as what we said. Often, people need to see a life of love in order to receive the message of God's love. One of the best ways to tell people of the love of Christ is to show them the love of Christ. Lead people to Jesus by loving people to Jesus, which usually takes time. We like to see things happen quickly. But to show the love of God to people takes time and involvement and always takes the supernatural power of Christ. So I would say, remember the great commandment as you seek to carry out the great commission. Actually, the great commission, as it's called, has to do with making disciples, baptizing converts, and teaching the precepts of Christ. If you look at the section that's usually called the Great Commission, that's what it's talking about. Making disciples, baptizing converts, and teaching the precepts of Christ, which is largely done within the context of the gathering of believers in the local fellowship in the church. So there's a couple things I think new believers should understand related to the local church. First of all, perfection is not of this world. 
if you look for a perfect church with perfect people, you won't find one. As one person said, if you found one and joined it, it wouldn't be perfect anymore. (laughs) Only Christ is perfect. And he is perfecting his church and will partly perfect you through being in fellowship with imperfect people. That's one of the ways he does it. You will have opportunities to become offended with other Christians, maybe even your pastors. Sometimes this comes as a surprise to a new Christian. But you just need to remember that the church here on earth is composed of imperfect people who have problems and hang-ups just like you do. At some time or another, you'll probably be offended by the actions or words of another believer. This may be intentional or unintentional, but these things do hurt. They're real, and they do hurt. The answer is not to quit coming to church. I'm out of here. It's not the answer. Nor is the answer to start talking to other people about that person. That's not God's way. The answer is by the grace of God to work through the offense, first in your own heart and then with the other person. Now, it's not always possible if you're dealing with a non-Christian. But if you're dealing with a Christian, you ought to be able to work through those things by the grace of God, with the help of Christ. Remember that even though others may fail you, Christ will never fail you. He'll never let you down, and he will enable you to overcome any hurt and forgive those who offended you and give you strength to reach out in love again. Along that line, this is something that we have to be reminded of, young believers, old believers, and in-between believers. It's good to remember that love and forgiveness are, first of all, Choices, not feelings. Once you choose to forgive and pray for the good of the one who offended you, over time your feelings will begin to change. But that's not the first priority. What we need to realize is these things come up as opportunities to become more Christ like. Just as he forgives us, so also it's our calling to love and forgive others who have offended us. Paul said this to the Ephesians, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Now let me say something about how we view Christians who go to other churches that do things differently than we do. It sometimes happens that new believers who become part of a church that they're excited about begin to view their way, the way their church does things as the most true type of Christianity. They may not think that they're the only Christians in town, 
but they do think that they're the best or the most right ones. This is a prideful attitude, something we need to guard against. It goes against the spirit of unity that should be present in the body of Christ throughout the world. We're talking about the body of Christ throughout the world. There should be a desire and a sense of unity amongst God's people. It's counter to what Paul said about being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Looking back on my early Christian life, there was a time when if I met a believer from a different group or went to a different church, I was looking for things we differed in. That was just kind of the, my antennas were up for that type of thing. Where, where are they different than my thinking and my group? Usually, with kind of an attitude deep down that our way or my way of seeing things is closer to God's way. I came to see that this is very sectarian and a divisive attitude, and it's much better to try to look for and appreciate the things that we agree on If you look for the negative, you can always find some. Always. But I doubt if that's what Christ wants his people to do. I know this. We should not be looking down on any of the little ones that Christ died for. It doesn't matter who they are, where they are, where they meet. Christ died for that person. I better not be looking down on them. Somewhat along this same line is a thought from Francis Schaeffer. He said in a message, this was from a message, actually, it's in a book, and we, Charles and I heard this message. It's called No Little Places, No Little People. That was the name of the message, title of the message. But in that message, he said that we should take the low place and let God move us up. I'm talking to you new Christians now, all of us in one way or another, but especially the new Christians. Take the low place and let God move you up. Often the new convert has great ambitions in terms of changing the world and straightening others out. I don't want to stifle any God-given desire, but often we are thinking about running when we haven't learned to walk yet. We're going to go to Africa and show those people how they should live the Christian life when we haven't even learned to pick up our own clothes or get the dishes done in a timely manner. You're going to love your your neighbor there in New Guinea and you haven't even loved your neighbor next door across the street. We need to love the neighbors we have in our own community, not the ones we think we would have across the ocean. One way to take the low position and let God move you up is to seek to restore broken relationships and wrongs done prior to becoming a Christian, at least as much as possible. And that's 
That's humbling. It's taking the low position. If you go to a person that you've had a bad relationship with or have wronged somehow and try to tell them about how they need Christ, they will be rightly turned off if that's where you start. What they need to see is that God has humbled you enough that you will seek to make right what wrongs have been done. That's what they need to see first of all. That your ways, that your life and words really fit the reality of what you're doing. You've got to show them the reality of Christ. And the first reality is, I'm sorry for the way I treated you. Everyone may not respond positively, and it may be difficult at first. But as you continue to walk in faith, taking the low position, God will move you up, and your progress will be evident to those who are looking at your life. Talking about taking the low position, taking the humble position, letting God move you up. And kind of along this same line, we don't want to come across as a new Christian know-it-all. Just because Christ has called you out of darkness into his light does not mean that you're now the spiritual authority and dispenser of wisdom for the rest of mankind. God's the only one that knows it all, and you're not him. And besides that, whatever you know that's true, you got from him. So there's no, there's no place for boasting or arrogance or pride. So be humble with your new God-given insight and the reality that God has shown you. As Paul said, do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. And here's something that comes as a startling thing sometimes because we just don't think right as new Christians. We need to remember remember your non-Christian friend or family member may still have something to teach you in many areas of life. Uh, it's just amazing that we get our thinking so wrong. But it is true. Christians can learn things from non-Christians And if we come across as if their thoughts are not important or worth listening to, we'll be building a barrier against the really important things we want to share with them. I mean, arrogance turns people off. So don't come across as a Christian know-it-all. On the other hand, I would say this to new Christians. They're often reluctant to share Christ because they think they don't know how to answer all the questions that are going to be asked them. Don't worry about that. It's okay to say, I don't know the answer to that question. Because you know, you know you know something they need to know. (laughs) 
or better, I guess it would be say, to say, you know, you know someone they need to know. You know the one who forgives sins and gives peace with God. If the non-Christian is honest deep down, that will mean something to them. That you'd say, I may not know the answer to that question, but I know this. Christ died for my sins, and I know the way of having peace with God. Well, may God give us a humble courage. That almost seems like a contradiction, doesn't it? A humble courage. Well, it's not a contradiction, but it takes it's supernatural. It takes God to do it. May God give us a humble courage as we keep our eyes on Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. He's the one that started you on this journey. He's the one that's going to take you through this journey and bring you right to heaven, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith.